Hey, welcome to the Sermonary Podcast. My name is Josh Taylor. I'm your host, and I am here with my guest and my good friend, Kyle Bashirs. Hey, Kyle, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing well. Kyle is the pastor of Marcel Church, one of the teaching pastors at Marcel Church in Mobile, Alabama. And uh, and he's also written a new book that's going to be released in March of 2021, but it's already ready and available for, for pre-order, which we're going to put the link for that in the show notes here. Uh, but uh, the book is on apathy and, and really uh, apathy towards the discussion of God, the gospel, and something that I think we're seeing a lot of in the culture. And one of the things that we're going to talk about is how uh, the last year that we've gone through has kind of exasperated the idea of apathy. And, and what does it mean for the church? And what does it mean for pastors and people in our church? And how do we combat it? Uh, because I think it is a a thing that we're seeing more and more of in the culture. So uh, the title of the book is called Apathyism. And am I, I don't even know if I'm saying that right. I, I'm used to the word apathy, apathyism. I'm like, I have like my New Orleans jaw in it. <laughs> no, that's right. I mean, it's a made up word, so we can yeah. pronounce it however we want. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, so the title of the book is Apathyism. And, uh, and so tell me a little bit about uh, why you decided to write the book and uh, a little bit more about this idea of, of apathyism and this word that you've made up. Yeah, well, so to clarify, I, I didn't make the word up. Um, it was made up by a sociologist, a Canadian sociologist in the 1970s, but that's not, uh, neither here nor there. Um, the, so the word apathyism is a bit intuitive, right? You have the two words apathy and then theism smashed together. And so uh, the idea that uh, is trying to be communicated is that when it comes to questions about God's existence and his character and his nature, uh, this is the position that people believe those questions are irrelevant. Uh, and so God's existence or even his non-existence is irrelevant. So why should we care? We should just be indifferent towards it. And um, the, the inspiration for writing the book, I think, really came from um, my experiences uh, overseas. I, was, uh, I lived in UK in, in, in Cambridge for a number of years. And uh, when I was uh, attempting to have kind of evangelistic uh, gospel conversations with people, uh, I noticed that I would get a very cool cold reception. And I mistakenly assumed that it was because people were hostile uh, to the message that I was trying to bring up. But uh, over the course of a few years, I began to realize that they weren't necessarily hostile to the gospel, that they were just completely indifferent, and they were apathetic to the gospel. And I thought to myself, like, well, that's uh, that's a that's a unique challenge. It's it's a it's the new problem because uh, so many of kind of the evangelism models and the apologetic models that uh, have been built um, and taught and, and used faithfully by Christians the world over for a long time have generally assumed people are interested in talking about God. They assume that people are interested in talking about religion. It's a quote from John Calvin five hundred years ago where he says that nobody would want to be seen as being totally indifferent to their religion. Well, fast forward 500 years, and that's no longer true. Uh, and so the question becomes now, oh, well, what caused that kind of apathy to God? And uh, how ought we, as uh, you know, great commissioned Christians, uh, engage or encounter apathyism? That's, that's really interesting. So it's a unique problem. Uh, that has probably existed for ever, but it's one that's very pronounced in our culture today because before you could have a conversation with a, with an atheist or, or something like that, and they were they were still interested in the topic. Uh, yeah. You could have a knowledgeable conversation, you could have an educated conversation uh, with people, but now it's difficult 
to have even a conversation with people that just don't care about the subject at all. So they don't have, they're not really educated in the subject. So it's difficult to have a conversation in that regards, but they just aren't even interested in bringing any kind of value to the conversation. Uh, and so that's really what you're, you're addressing in this book. Um, what is it, as far as this idea of apathy towards the gospel, what does this look like if I'm a pastor or trying to have a conversation with a neighbor, how do, how do I identify this, this apathy? Yeah. So the way I identify, uh, the, the way I define apathyism in the book is uh, when, when people uh, believe, you know, ideas, cognition, um, belief, when they believe that, that God is irrelevant and they feel that way as well. Okay, so there's a, there's a, apathyism is not just an idea that we have in our head and something we believe, but it's also something we feel. It's like a, an, a it's an emotional posture toward God. Uh, so the most obvious way to identify an apathyist is ask them questions about God and see what happens, right? If, if uh, they say, well, I don't really uh, believe that he exists, or I don't know that he exists or not, why, what do you think? Well, who you're talking to is probably an atheist or an agnostic. If you ask those same questions to an apatheist, their eyes are going to glaze over like you're talking about your favorite episode of Antique Roadshow, right? Uh, they, they're just not going to be interested in that conversation. Uh, and what you're seeing there is that kind of apathy bubble to the surface. Um, a, a truly apatheistic person will find that conversation to be a waste of time. They'll mm. be polite about it, uh, you know, but it's just not really their thing. That's They're just great. ready it's to move on. Thing. Yeah, let's talk about something else. Like, I, I yeah. really just don't find this very interesting. Do you see uh, apathy and in, in this apathyism? Do you see it? Uh, obviously, we can see it um, penetrating the culture and the secular culture. Do you see it in the church? And if it's infiltrating the church, what does it look like in the church? Yeah, for sure. So um, the frustrating thing about like apathyism, you know, people ask me often, like, do you think it's a growing problem in culture? My answer is yes, but I can't prove it. Uh, and the reason is um, when you when you get polling data, you know, like Pew Research, uh, Gallup, um, all those types of organizations, and they're asking questions about belief in God, they, they only ask about um, beliefs in God, not how we feel about those beliefs, right? So uh, this is why I don't think we're ever going to see uh, apathyists in polling data unless the polls change in the future. Um, so there, there can be apathyists within secularism, for sure, but there can also be apathyists in the pew. Um, and uh, I think that you you can kind of, there's a close cousin that we're probably all familiar with as pastors um, to apathyism, which is what, what what's called a practical atheist. Mm -hmm. So a practical atheist is somebody who believes in God, but doesn't really concern themselves with what that existence means. There's really no connection with, there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So uh, the psalmist, uh, you know, lamented the fool says in his heart, there is no God. And, and what that means is, yeah, I believe there's a God, I assent to it. I'll even talk about it, but I just don't really care about what that means for my life. Now, apathyists, though, uh, don't even care about that first part, right? Whether or not God exists is irrelevant. So matter. therefore, it doesn't matter, right? Yeah. So um, you, I think you do have those types of kind of apathies uh, in the pews that that pastors ought to be uh, aware of. 
Yeah. So the, the trick is then whether we're a pastor or we're just a believer in the congregation as a part of the church and want to have these conversations with people, it's obviously it's difficult to have a conversation with somebody that doesn't want to have a conversation about that subject. Uh, but uh, in, in your book, you um, I imagine you, you write about this of the, um, you know, the, the practical side of, the, of having those conversations. What does that look like as a believer, as a pastor? Um, that's, let's talk about believers first, because I think pastors have a unique situation that, that I want to talk about in just a second as far as preaching. Um, and I want to have you back for another conversation specifically about that. But believers, how can we encourage believers in our church to have conversations? Because they might, I would imagine this manifests itself a lot in teenagers at home. Uh, that have, you know, just, it's natural for teenagers to be apathetic about anything, um, you know, and, and so how do they have these conversations with people that don't want to have conversations about the subject? Yeah, it's, it's a challenge. Um, I think the, maybe the knee-jerk reaction that we might have is, uh, well, that's a job for apologetics, right? So what I need to do is I need to kind of bone up on my um, you know, strong arguments for God's existence. And if I could, you know, demonstrate that it, he exists, then, well, of course, they'll care at that point. Um, and I, I think that that's a, that's a mistaken uh, assumption, because, um, you know, kind of strong intellectual arguments for the existence of God will fall on deaf ears to people that don't care about arguments for the existence of God, right? Because it doesn't matter so, if he exists or not to them. Yeah, exactly. So you, you can, can prove so it, you, but how does it change their life? Exactly. You could you could shift them from being an atheist to a theist, but they still don't care, right? Right. So, um, so, but that that's that's not to say apologetics like throw the baby out with the bathwater to junk it, all that stuff. I, I certainly push really hard against that in the book. It's just that we need to um, we need to take kind of a prefatory maneuver in these kinds of conversations, if you will, and that is we need to spark their interest. Um, and so the, the, one of the ways that I prescribe in the book, and really it's like ha half the time I spend talking about, well, what do we do as a church, um, is, uh, is I, I see um, kind of an, the, one of the antitheses of apathy as being joy. And uh, one of the things that Christians can do is to um, broadcast the gospel in their word and deed by highlighting it through joy. Um, how often uh, do we talk about the gospel or present the gospel as if it's a set of, you know, rational propositional facts? Um, who is that? Brendan Manning was the guy who said uh, Christians sometimes um, act in gospel conversations. They act like um, unconvincing travel agents trying to sell people a place to go that they've never been themselves. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and so I think, I think that's, that's such a that's, great quote, <laughs> right? It's great. Right. I think he's, I think he's right. I think he's on to something there. Um, so how do you even start these conversations to begin with? Um, the mistake I think would be to start the conversation with God, uh, and then end with them. That's kind of like the classical model, right? Here's mm -hmm. God, here's what his existence means. And so now what do we you pull do out the it? Romans road and there it is. Yeah, sure. Sure. There's, and, and there's, that's not to say Romans Romans is ineffective or anything, no, but, but on apathy is probably when you're apathy, it's, it's, it's a whole different monster. Yeah. Yeah. So, so instead of going from God to, to us, I think we need to go from us to God. And so the conversations mm. can't start with something that people are uninterested in God. They have to start with something they are interested in themselves. 
Like I don't yeah. know very many people that are uninterested in themselves, right? Yeah. And so um, one of the things I like to do in these types of conversations is I ask about their joy bringers. Uh, what brings you joy? Um, and inevitably, it falls into one of three categories. It's either other people, um, activities, or things. Um, but the problem with that is all three of those things are a part of the created order. So they're fallen, mm -hmm. they're limited, they're temporary. Um, and uh, I kind of push against kind of, you know, what happens if your joy bringers stop bringing you happiness, meaning purpose, value, and all those things. And uh, it's not a thing that people like to think about, but it's a, an important question we ask. And so then I, you know, interject and say, well, can I tell you what brings me joy? Uh, and then I, I talk about the gospel and I insert myself into the gospel story. Um, and, and, you know, it took a long time to get to God, but finally they're interested, they're invested. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, 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 the power of the word is what saves. Yeah. Um, the Holy Spirit is who's working in that moment. And so uh, take a load off. Don't think like you have to, you know, jolt them into, uh, you know, affection for God right then and there. Um, plant right. seeds. Um, that's, tell them about the joy of your salvation. That, that's, uh, that's such an interesting approach because I, I think it's, it's an approach that I use in communication all the time is presenting the problem to people first. And, uh, and when it comes to apathy, the way you started that conversation is you may be having a conversation with somebody that doesn't even realize they have a problem until you point out the fact that the things that bring them joy will one day probably disappoint them. Then what do they do? Mm -hmm. And now you've presented a problem and you have a solution to that problem. Uh, and that's, that's, that's such a key topic in, in communication in general. Um, but in, in evangelism, especially having gospel conversations with people that don't care, that's such uh, a really great opportunity to introduce a problem to people that for most of them, they probably don't know that they have. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. The, the key ingredient there is the, I think what, what makes that, um, kind of work is is doubt not the kind of doubt that you know where we commonly think of like mistrusting god but the kind of doubt that makes you question like well why do i believe that right so why do i think this kind of joy will be sustained throughout all of my life and um there's a you know a, there was a old enlightenment philosopher named soren kierkegaard and, and he's he thought doubt was was actually a more powerful form of thinking than just objective thinking alone because doubt carries with it interest. Why do I feel that way? Why do I think that? Um, and until they're actually doubting their joy bringers, they won't have interest in the one who can bring them eternal joy. Um, at least as, as far as, you know, it's been in, in my experience. So. That's, that's really good. Um, I, I want to have you back for another conversations regarding pastors preaching to an audience that may be mm. apathetic, because yeah. I would imagine that depending on where you are, even in our country, um, that's, that's going to be, you're going to have more people that are just, that, that have this apathy towards the gospel in these conversations. And, and, but uh, before we go, uh, what have you seen? Obviously 2020 has brought some unique challenges for the church. Uh, it's brought unique challenges for everyone. Uh, but I would imagine now people have a really legitimate excuse not to be at church, not to, um, not even, I mean, honestly, just to be isolated, uh, which probably brings more apathy. I, I would imagine a lot of people are, um, 
you know, craving conversations and craving community, but we are even being told that we're doing the world a favor by not attending church in these gatherings and, and these kind of things. So I would imagine apathy has just been exacerbated over this last year. Um, how can the church basically begin to combat this? And I, and I want to kind of end with this uh, for this part of the conversation. Uh, how can the church um, combat this? You know, how can they be praying uh, for, for, for conversations about this? And then how can they, um, you know, summon the courage to have these kind of conversations? Yeah, I, I think it's it's interesting that um, in times of you know national crises, um, uh, God gets a lot of attention. You remember nine eleven how how quickly churches and pews were filled again for a short season, um, and then even at the outbreak of COVID, uh, you saw a number of politicians appealing to God for for help and. Um, even though we were live streaming, at least at our church, like we saw a noticeable uptick in people watching. So we would consider those more people coming to the building. And, and uh, I, I think when our, when our kind of security of existence is shaken, we fear and we don't know what to do. And so there's this primal instinct uh, for us to look up because everything around us is not giving us the answers and the security we hope that it would. But as time has gone by, and as isolation is set in, we're, we're, we're more secure again in that kind of horizontal, this horizontal sources of meaning and value and purpose. And we've kind and, of burrowed uh, into a new normal. So exactly. we're, we're, we're getting into a different kind of comfort zone. Exactly. And so that, that apathy will remain as long as we feel comfortable in, in our security, in our well-being, and in our meaning and purpose. Um, and so the job of, of the pastor and, and his staff and elders, I think, is to, to lift chins upward, um, to point them back to the moment where they felt, hey, things were not in human control. <laughs> and to ask them, why was it that you looked up and instead of over? Um, why, when, when COVID brought our healthcare system essentially to a grinding, or the economy to a grinding halt and the healthcare system to its knees, and there was a couple of weeks where we were uncertain about what the next week would bring. Um, that's a scary place to be, but God can do a lot of work in that moment. And so I think um, kind of reminding people of what that feeling felt like and to realize that we don't know what tomorrow holds, we don't know what tomorrow brings, and the next pandemic could be worse than this one. And we're not even out of this one. Who knows what 2021 is going to bring? No one predicted 2020. So uh, that, that kind of uh, that disorientation of the illusion of safety and security and meaning in this life um, is, is something I think we ought to press because uh, the author of life himself is the only one that gives us the, the kind of the, the true security of existence, not necessarily safety, but to know the one who holds our hands holds the world together as well. Um, so, so yeah, I think something along those lines, I think. Yeah. So I, I, I think that that's great. And, and obviously we can point people back to where their true source, source of joy is because for a lot of people, they've in the last year have been 
become disconnected from the things that they thought brought them joy. And so they're having to find that in new places. And we obviously had the ultimate answer for that. So uh, the book is called Apathyism. It is available for pre-order. We're going to have the links for that in the show notes uh, that they can purchase that. Uh, and then Kyle, we're going to have you back on again, because we I want to talk about the same subject, but uh, in regards to how pastors preach. Uh, because I think that this is a growing problem that we're going to see more of uh, over the coming years. And obviously culture changes so quickly and things happen. And, and, and I wouldn't necessarily call this a movement. It's just a, it's a reality that is, I think, spreading quickly. And uh, we need, to, the church needs to be ahead of it and we need to know what to do with it. And, uh, and, and so this is a great resource for that. So Kyle, thanks so much for being on the podcast. And uh, I look forward to connecting with you again uh, as, as we have the next part of this conversation. Yeah, thanks, man. It was a joy.